Hey everybody, I'm Rodney Elmer. Welcome to the Mountain Deer Podcast. It's Sunday morning and the boys and I are in the shop. How are we doing, guys? I'm doing good. How are you? We were going to uh, take our time and get into a few extra things. And yeah. Taylor, he was like, um, we need to talk about bears. We said we were going to, and yeah. let's do this. We just, uh, we had a decent conversation about it last night, and we were kind of just looking through some of the media, looking through some of the stuff that the department's been working on. And, you know, every like you had said last night, bears are on everybody's mind right now. Oh, you know, geez. it could be deer season's coming around, but bears, bears are taking kind of center stage right now yeah. and we should, we should take some time and chat about it. Right. There's a few things that, uh, a lot of hunters, uh, don't know about necessarily bear management, but also to, uh, you know, bear care and bear hunting. And, you know, it's one of our first seasons in new England and it's pretty vital to like the entire ecosystem. You know, a bear is, is like a pyramid kind of top predator mm -hmm. and, and top effector of the forest and bears are pretty important i i think they're they're one of our oldest lived animals in the woods you know bears can be 25 27 it's not unusual i think they had the records up in the 30s you know for for age so that's that's pretty amazing and yeah. you know they're long lived they're really smart um they're really docile for the most most part and they're, they're really around and Vermont being, especially our forest being in the shape it's in, it's really key to why there's so many bears, right? It's conducive. It's a predator forest. Yeah. We, Vermont yeah. has a predator friendly forest. You know, we have lots and lots of 11, 12 inch hardwood trees. As far as the eye can see about 4 million acres of standing timber and the vast majority of it is hardwood and in the winter time or in the in the summer even for that matter and most of the spring it is a wildlife desert in many ways because yeah. it's it's an in-between stage you know it's it's not pole stage that's the worst hardwood pole stage mm -hmm. is like the worst diversity if you had you but know, it's, it's not like we don't have that yeah there's some oh, places man. where there's quite a few poles yeah. but there's also a lot of just kind of in between it's not old old forest yeah. and it's not you know real mature but it's not young either. So yeah. we're, we're in this, you know, two thirds of the way cycle towards old. And yep. that makes a big difference to the number and species and the kinds of animals that are in it. And in the wintertime, you know, hardwood forests are pretty much a desert. You know, yeah. there's not much out there. The squirrels are sleeping. You know, th there is very yeah. little out there. And there's most of the food is well above anything's reach. You know, it's way up. Those those maple buds are way up in the air, and there's no way anything's going to be using it unless a tree falls over. You get ice damage or a cut of some kind or something so yep. that they're on the ground. And when your forest, your main part of your forest is that older kind of stuff, any places where there's edges down low, the houses, the rivers, the, the softwood areas, you know, wherever there's a cut, uh, where there's farms, fields, roads, uh, rivers, all that stuff, Everywhere down low, there's these little small corridors of better habitat than those giant hardwoods, right? Yep. So we have all this low, better kind of habitat for all of nearly every, all your wild creatures, you know? And when those little edges of the best habitat being down low, the bears end up 
coming off the mountains and moving down into the valleys. They're now up close and personal to all of us. They're a hundred yards behind the dumpster spending the summer, just a hundred yards from the dumpster, literally in the woods waiting for the next food to come along in the dumpster. And then we can raid that again. And yep. when you've got a skidoo suit on, right, you're not going to run yeah. all over yeah, when you've hot. got a nice food source that's ready to go. And the biggest bears in the woods will find a nice big dumpster with plenty of people food in it and just move right in and they'll stay right there and guard that food source so vermont put out a composting law and trying to get people to compost and throw as much of their food scraps you know right in in their own place and of course that just invites them into our yards everywhere the, and, and another reason for them to be down low if uh, go ahead. Beef. I think a lot of that too, being such a new dramatic change with the composting law, a lot of people weren't prepared on how to do it properly to keep right. to keep the wildlife, you know, so they're not just gonna it make it a little more of um, an effort on their part to get to it. Right? Yeah, so, and it's not just bears. I mean, coons, oh, skunks, for, for sure, like everything. Yep. Are gonna oh, yeah. And people are composting now are just throwing it over the bank. Well, which, which it's all fine and dandy, but you're going to attract animals right. in to eat it. And then you're going to have the problems that come with that. Because when a bear shows up to eat compost and there's nothing there, you say, oh, well, the trash is right there. That smells mm-hmm. pretty good. I'll just check that out. Right. There's the problem, the problem with Vermont's composting reg is there isn't an infrastructure and an education to back it. See, the problem is like, you know, yes, the intention of composting is great. Renewing food scraps so you can grow more that no brainer. That's a good idea. Landfill. But that's not the only thing that's going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. You're like, when you live in a state like Vermont, you know, Maine, New Hampshire, any states with a, with a large area of forest, like when you live so close to wildlife, you live so close to nature and this isn't New York city, no. you know, you, you have to take into account that your neighbors aren't just people. Your neighbors are your fish. Your neighbors are your deer and your moose and your bears and, and anything that you're doing on your property and anything that we do as humans in the state that is going to affect and have a, have an impact on our relationship with these animals, you know, and not having proper, uh, containers for compost and not having a way to most people like they'll put it in there. You know, but if they're not growing stuff at their house, what is the point of composting? Because they'll just have dirt in a barrel and then dump it out. And it's like, yeah, the 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 ground and the trees will get that. But what's the point? Well, you know? especially if there's some negative consequences right. that make it. If not it starts worth drawing it. in wildlife, right. it's like we have you can't you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing this at people's houses. Mm-hmm. We have to develop some kind of infrastructure where like a truck or something comes around, picks up your compost and brings it to a place where it can be utilized for yada, yada. Like there has to be more forethought behind of it because one, you're not utilizing the compost that you're making in the way that you could. And also now you're bringing in wildlife because mm-hmm. when you have an empty forest and nothing to eat, you're going to go find a meal. And it makes sense for their survival is coming down here and getting it. If there's nothing in the woods, you have to manage your woods different. If you want to, if you want to have, these kind of composting regulations for the longest time we composted to bears we had a dump right they all went to the dump right and all the bears right like we're seagulls right well people didn't live at the dump so bears weren't getting into your house and it didn't matter you know right because that chain of for for the most part it wasn't good for the bears they were right. eating a lot of things, right? Some of human food is not chocolate, right? It's like not good for bears. Mm-hmm. Donuts right? are not good for bears. Like there's so much. And, and of course, even in places like, uh, 
you know, where they're using baiting as a, as a way of killing bears. They're finding that the bears are developing heart diseases, uh, diabetes, um, you know, th- their, their blood sugar yep. can be really altered dramatically right. when, they, when they're, you know, lapping Insulin at, production, liver, yes, kidneys, oh, all yeah. those things, you know, and they're developing human diseases that they wouldn't normally have. You well, know, that, and, if that doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> yeah, just what I want, a bear in my yard, you know, half in a coma right? Sugar. And, and he's acting up, right? That's what I want. A 300 pound gorilla in my yard acting up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And, and of course people's value system towards bears varies so much, mm-hmm. right? Everybody values them in a different way or doesn't value them at all. Right. There's a few people that just, they, they don't care. They, right. they don't it care does, for bears. It doesn't, around it, it doesn't occur to them. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't matter. And then there's others who like maybe overvalue them and like, oh, that's all they can think about is having the bear in the backyard, regardless of whether it's good for them or not. And then right. you, of course you have the supplemental feeding, right? Where somebody's feeding birds and, and now it's a problem because the bear has been there every day. Eating yeah. the bird and, seed. Yeah. And, and yeah, he's ripping my bird feeders down. So now I got to kill him. Right. So there's this value system of how we treat bears. And also too, you know, the departments all struggle with wondering how many bears that the people actually want on the land. We, we tend to want to stockpile wildlife, right? It doesn't yeah. almost matter what kind we want to stockpile wildlife, whether you're an anti hunter or a hunter or a game farm guy or anything, everybody wants to stockpile things. So, and, and we consider stockpiling a good thing and having, you know, 50 bears in your backyard probably isn't going to be a good thing. And it's generally not going to happen, right? Yeah. You're not going to have something like that. However, there may be too many bears for the good of the bears and there may be too many bears for the good of the people and the people's relationship to the bears. This is the key, right? That's is the biggest that, piece. That, that, that people's relationship with bears be a good one. It also must be a coexisting kind of thing. And um, the other thing, too, is like being able to come up with a population that is good for people and for bears, and it strikes an equilibrium, is a difficult thing to do. Some years, the bear hunting is fantastic, and we we can kill quite a few fairly easily. Um, Most of the time, uh, Vermont bounces between 3,500 and 6,000 bears, you know, usually in the, it's a pretty, in the 35 to 4,500 bears is 3,000 bears may not sound like the difference between 3,000 and 6,000. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's double the population. Right. Like that's, that's a wide swing, which it, it's probably extremely hard to calculate. Cause honestly, I think counting deer is easier than it is counting bears. Probably. They are elusive yes. and they pay attention and they don't miss a trick. Yeah. You know, you think of big bucks on it. And of course, even like a, a roadkill survey isn't necessarily a great way to figure the population no. out. No, know? it's not. And, and bears are relatively easy to manage relatively, um, provided you have some different options of being able to do it. And of course, you know, when you look at bear management tools, you know, what, what does the department have for bear management tools? They had very little, especially when they didn't have a lot of biological data. They did have their collar survey, right? So they could check on the sows and then their, their cubs that they had every spring. So when the sows in her den, they take the radio collar, they go there, check her out, see how many babies she had, how much they weigh, um, all that kind of stuff. Take, take measurements on her right, and but how she's the doing. data the data on bears 
gaining data that way is only half of it. Oh, because yeah. it's one thing to measure something. Less it's, an, it's another thing to use your measurements and now apply a change if need be. Mm-hmm. The real problem with bears doesn't come from collecting data on them. It comes from either increasing or decreasing the population. Right. When you want to decrease the population in bears, that is difficult. Because, you know, well, the biggest tool that the department has for affecting the numbers is hunters. Yes. And That's now, New Hampshire, part. New Hampshire, a while back... Um, uh, wanted to do a little better job just before us. They seemed to be motivated to do a little better job managing their bears. So they went to a bear hunting license. Yep. Now what that did is it automatically made bears more, uh, more of a study, right? Right. Because you not only need the actual, like, is it a male? Is it a female? How old is it? Uh, let's pull a tooth, count the rings, you know, and, and tell the age and knowing the sex ratios of what they are. Those are all important things, but the hunter is part of the biological data too. Right. Right. You have to measure how good your saw is. You can't just measure the lumber. Right. You need to know how proficient your saw is. That's right. So by introducing a hunting license, New Hampshire did this and they introduced a hunting license. They made mandatory game warden reporting. And sex, mandatory sexing, right? You need to know what the sex is for sure. You got to be certain about it. Mm-hmm. Now, bears are generally born about 50-50, you know? And even deer aren't far off 50-50 for the sex ratio of males to females. Now, if you, you know you have a bear herd of, say, 4,000 bears, and the, if the ratio at birth is about 50-50, you know, mm-hmm. that makes about 2,000 sows, right? And a sow will have uh, probably a single or twins on her first time, but she's two years old, two and a half when she births her first, right? Two years old. She'll be two and a half if she gets killed the following year, but, you know, she has cubs every other year. So when you know the average age of a sow, and you know we have 2,000 sows and say the average is a 5-year-old or the average is a 10-year-old. Right. You can deduce the number. You can deduce what your cub production is. Yep. So you can say, well, those 2,000 sows will have about X amount of cubs. And then there'll be about, say, half of them die of a cause of some kind. So our bear production should be about X. Right. Then when you mix in the mass crops and the number of hunters that are going after them, and you know that because you introduced the license, right? you know how many people purposely hunt bears and how right. good they are at it. Right. The happenstance, the happenstance. We did when, that forever. Right. Yes. When you were Just you're deer hunting and you see a bear, like right. that happenstance number is really small. And that's not the number that you really want to know. You want to know how many people are actively pursuing bears. So the license made perfect sense. And the hunting methods for bears matter too. Which method you are using, right? That's good biological information for the department. That's key. And, you know, there's several different kind of hunting methods for them. Right. Well, there's archery, rifle. Um, you can bait. Uh, can you still bait in Vermont? No, no baiting in Vermont. Yeah, I know Maine. But a lot of states Maine, do. you still yeah. can bait yeah. for bear. Most um, of them are permit set up. Yeah. Can you, you can still hound hunt and for bear in and uh, Vermont too, can't you? Yes, you can. I believe yeah. in Maine too. You know, a, a big part of uh, 
bear hunting is, you know, the availability of good bear habitat, which we, we have a, you know, all the departments have a really good understanding what bear habitat is and, and where the best places are for them and, and how they, how well they do. And then when you mix in, um, like with Maine, uh, I know bear hounding and bear tr- and, and not trapping, even though it does, they do have some trapping for bears in Maine also, but the bear baiting Hounding and baiting make up 85 plus percent of their kill. Yep. yep. So those two methods are really important to the number of bears they. And if you made a change to those rules somehow, it would have a huge impact on the bear Instant. herd. It would have a huge impact on the land and nature. It, yep. It would be a big thing. Do you know? Do you know the breakdown between baiting and uh, hounding? No, that I don't. That 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 would be interesting. I yeah, Ryan, you want to see if you can dig up that? See yeah. if you can dig that number up. We want. You can just pick like the state of Vermont. It doesn't have to be in general. So New Hampshire, by introducing this hunting license and finding out how many people actively hunt bears, they know the methods that they use. They get a predictability for the method. Right, a success rate. Yeah, a success rate predicted for each one of the different hunting methods, and then they can look at the mass crops for that particular year and the general population size for the last, you know, a trend. You, you, you don't really get a population, but you get a population trend. Yes. You know, we're right in this right, you ballpark. Get an area. Right. Estimate. And then they were able sometimes to predict their kill every year within like 40, 50 bears. They that's, were that good that's at pretty, it. That's pretty good. Yeah. And Vermont was, we weren't even coming close to that. And we were so in love with the fact that they could do that. And now if you ch- start using like a, a hunting season length in order to, uh, as a management tool, and you want to make the season longer in order to get more deer, bears dead yeah. or shorten the season to kill less bears, it's real important that you know that success rate. That That is key. And also too your cub production. So by knowing the success rate and having a hunting license and treating a bear as is, as it's special as it is by yep. having it its own big game status, yep. it's really good for the management of it. And it's a, a great su- support system for better science behind how bears work. And of course the hunters are so important because they're gathering the biological data, right? They're the ones killing the bears, bringing them in front of, you know, the department yep. basically to give the weights, give the sexes, pull right. a tooth. And the, it's really super biological important right. to the bear herd. And if we were to do anything to that, it would, it would be oh, yeah. catastrophic. What you got beef? So it looks like the preliminary numbers shown, uh, for hunters that took the record was 914 black bears during the true part early and late season last year. Wow. 2020, 2020 season? 2020 season. Jeez. Yes. That, that's a third more than normal. I mean, usually we're in a 600 yeah. ballpark. What was, what was the previous record? Uh, 750 in 2019 was the previous record for black bears taken. <laughs> that and is a lot. The early that's and late season. Yeah. Um, the average number of taken over the previous 10 years was six, that 608. Right. Yeah, yep. that's a lot more reasonable. I, I'm used to hearing a 600 ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Um, Vermont tries to keep the bears population within 3,500 to about 5,500 black bears yep. throughout the yep. state. Because so you were it, right on that. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, let's see, most bears were taken by firearm, while 16% were by archery, and the seven, the last 17% of the bears taken in Vermont were used with bear hounds. Hounds, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, the bear support system, 
you know, has been boosted by us having a hunting license, not only in the scientific data that we collect, you know, like hunter success rate, uh, the time of year that they hunt to know how hard they hunt, how many hours they put in, right. It's really important to developing all those, uh, like columns of information right. because when you're done, it right. helps you manage the bears, right. And it helps you, uh, determine season length. And that makes a big difference because there are some years like when there's no mass crops and it's just corn right? and all the bears are down low eating the corn. And then all of a sudden the corn gets cut and now they're all, yep. and they're exposed and yep. like they really get shot, Yeah, you know, or years when there's tons of beech nuts and they're back on the mountains and they never come yep. down and you never see them and you don't kill squat and yeah. the snow comes early. They go to bed early. And like, so it, it's easy to vary, you know, how many you shoot every year. And, uh, Vermont wanted to kind of mirror New Hampshire. And so we did the license, you know, New Hampshire's like, you guys got to do the license. You, you've got to get this biological information. And of course, once you have it and the board was listening to this, right? The board is like, well, now that we have their information, we'd like to be able to be as accurate as you guys and say, okay, this year we're going to kill about 630. Right. Set and a you good end up, goal. Yeah, you end up at 650 or you end up at 620. Right. And to be able to predict it so well and shut it down should you be killing too many. Right. Right. And to know what too many was. Well, and that's, that's really key to management. The reporting stations, having, you know, because doing that online now, um, your data is instantaneous because like, you know, in the previous mm -hmm. years, you know, before 2020, we were, you know, we'd have a book and you'd write down everything and it would all be paper. Mm -hmm. And then somebody has to come collect those reporting books and then do data entry unless you guys did data entry online. So getting the reporting stations, when a bear comes in and gets reported that getting that number soon really gives them the ability to either continue it or shut it off because yes. if they don't know the current kill, there's no way they're going to be able to pull the plug on the thing. If you're getting up to a thousand bears, they're right. not going to be able to shut that down. And of course, you know, when you can't control it so well, because it's not timely, right? In the old school, it wasn't timely. And we sometimes didn't get reports until midwinter, right? You know, so you're they, a didn't year even, behind. they didn't even get a chance to start on their math till spring. Right. So if there was too many bears shot, they couldn't shut it down in time. Right? right. So that, that part of being online was good. The accuracy may or may not be so good. I don't know if Forrest could say to that, you know, right. and, and that's, that's their deal is the accuracy of the information you take in. Right. But. Also too, an interesting tidbit, the heaviest bear yeah. last year was 426 pounds. Nice. It wow. was shot in, uh, the town of Holland, uh, WMU D one. Oh yeah. Uh, the date of the kill was the 23rd of September. It was, um, it was a boar and nice. it, it yeah. was dogs were used. Yep. 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 I, and, and one thing, you know, there's a few bonuses to dogs. Um, not only do you, right, can you be a little more selective as to which bear you shoot? Oh, that's true. You know, cause if it's a sow with cubs or something, you know, you, you can tell how big the bear is, how right. old the bear is. So that makes a difference. Even though our average bear is 135 pounds. Yeah. Um, so like, it helps you be a little more selective, 
the the other advantage to the hounding a course is that if you have a bear that's being a nuisance, you can teach him a few lessons, right? You can right. chase him away. You can hopefully, you know, teach him a few lessons. Run him out of dodge. Yeah, and, and maybe he'll change his ways and he'll be less of a problem. So there's a chance, right. that at least there's a chance versus just playing straight up. Right, because I, I, I'm not sure how well relocation works. I don't think with, it does with, at all, really. Like, you know, because we were talking about it earlier, like a bear that comes from Connecticut and they find it in southern Vermont. Yeah. It's like, seriously? He yeah. could He could stay up here for a year and go back to Connecticut because he just knows. He could you know very I mean? well. Like yeah. instinct, they know what's up. Yeah. And I'm not sure if relocation would work, but if you did employ a tactic, like kind of like, hey, get out of here. And then they learn from that and they're like, well, don't go over there because right. blah, blah, blah. Then, Especially on a young bear. Right. That might, really that might actually be more useful than it would be to go out, trank the bear, hope and hope that you get the right amount of you know yeah. ingredient to knock him out bring drive that bear to who knows timbuktu drop it off in the middle of nowhere and hope he doesn't come back and he doesn't die over there you know right. like that's kind of but then again that's a moving up problem right and it, <laughs> it, it's like people that relocate like squirrels right <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a ton of people. I, I've heard about that. People do that too. That's ridiculous. Like you can't transport a live wild no. animal. Like no. you will get a ticket. It's so like illegal. Yeah, it's so totally out. And this, it just I sometimes wonder about people. Yeah. And and of course that's probably another bird feeder deal, right? There, there's so much yeah. that's not so good about feeding yep. wildlife, and the, and those are definitely the bonus. The the value system that works around bears and how much people like them or don't like them um, is pretty amazing. And, and of course, a bear is programmed to eat. Them things just eat. They eat and eat. They they they're shooting for four or five thousand calories a day, right? Yep. You know, and and when we have years like this where there's nuts and apples and oh, yeah. corn and huge amount of crop, this is a wicked mass crop year, and there's feed everywhere. And the fat reserves, like for the last month and a half, they haven't had any fat on them. There's no fat on them whatsoever. They're eating really good, right. but there's hardly any fat because they're eating so right. good. They don't need it. On a year when there's just beech nuts, right? they've got three inches on September 1st. Well, like their they're not, body can tell that they're not eating yes. well. So they don't have to store it. It's amazing. Bear, bears are cool. So I found another interesting tidbit you guys might, might find interesting. Uh, there were 133 bear hound permits issued last year in 2020 that's it that's 10 more than 2019 yeah i was gonna say it's a it's up a little yeah. usually it's less than 100 i thought i i thought it'd be more than that yeah and 10 of those permits went to non-resident hunters so actually so you said what was the bear kill it was 900 last year and 133 permits and it makes up 17 percent Yes. So hounding is a result of 17% of the kill. Yep. And then harvest with no dogs is about 63%. Right. Which is about 150 bears. Yeah. It's yeah the hound hunters. So that, means, so that means that almost every permit that was issued. Killed one bear. Killed a bear. And a right. little bit. So that means, right. So yeah. like on average. So that means, right. like, well, of course my math is just, that's off the top of my head, just yeah. guesstimating. That's not even remotely, like 100% accurate. But right. if, if you put out, a hounding permit and they get a bear that is like the think success, about it, like that the success rate is that, really like high. deer deer management wishes they can do that they wish they could put out a permit and have it be filled right i wonder i wonder the history on a success ratio for the hounding permits 
I, I, I bet it's pretty similar. I bet one yeah, permit is one bear. And it's yep. probably been that way for some time, I would imagine. You right. know, that's just a guesstimate, but right. and and I've never really mm. never really spent a great lot of time, you know, checking it out and learning about it and stuff. And, yep. and I don't know a great about it, a lot of great, you know, about it. But yeah, in there general was, there was hundred and fifty five reported with um bears that were taken with hounds. Ah, so yep. I was close. Hundred hundred and fifty something bears with a hundred and something permits. Right. You know, you're talking every permit you issue. What a useful management tool. It uh, really is. But it does have it does have some problems and most of them are social and not necessarily environmental or you know, the impact on the bears. One, it stresses the bears out, but you know, so does tracking. Tracking stresses deer out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like any form of you know, it's like fishing. That stresses fish out. But you can get data. Zapping the water so all the fish float up. So you can measure them and do that. Yeah. That stresses fish. Right. The biologists you know I mean? do it every year. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the tools in order to measure something wild, you kind of have to stress the thing out a little bit. And in order to hunt, you know, that's just part of it. Um, what you got, Beef? Uh, the average age for bear harvested is between 8 and 16 years old. Holy cow. Really? Now, yep. see, a bear being that old and having that good a nose mm. is quite a machine. Yeah, it right? is. And it has, they're smart too. Bears Dude, I would have guessed. Wait, so wait. Oh, eight wait. and 16? Eight years old to 16 years old is and the, the average that are taken. And the average Vermont. weight is only 135? Yes. Well, they're actually pretty small then. Yeah, our bears are not they're big. They're not big. They're not yep. big. They, that, that reflects the forest. The average weight of all the and bears its inability in to 2020 make big was 139, animals. right? Two pounds lighter than 2019. Yeah. Mm. The largest bear ever taken in, in Vermont was 525 pounds. Right. Yeah. Just an outlier. That was in 1965. Oh, wait, way back. Yeah, when the, was when, that was when the forest and the... Yeah. the I the think they had a 500 different. something close to that not too long ago. It, it so was close. Every now and then, you, you know, of course, right. that's your exception. Right. You right. don't, you don't measure something by the smallest. It has to be the median and the yeah. average. You have to go by the more collective data. I have weighed a sow that was 102 pounds and she was six years old. So like she was never going to be big, no. you know, just wasn't going to be. And that was an orange from orange Vermont. You yeah. know, so it goes to show, yeah. you know, and in general, um, they occasionally can have four cubs, right? Mm. Three cubs, you know, and twins are generally the rule. You know, after they get to a certain age, a they're sow, pretty much having twins. A sow that's sixteen has had eight batches of babies. Yeah, isn't that amazing? The the thing I wonder though, and they're is really good mothers. If you know, because right now there's some speculation on work. the rules of bear. They're opening up the bear rules, well, which may. which I I'm not sure if I'm not sure if opening those is going to be the best thing. Another thing you guys might find interesting, in addition to the 925 bears taken legally during the regulated seasons, mm-hmm. there were uh, 225 reported non-hunting or incidental mortalities during 2020. Like is traffic. That, is that traffic part of the 900? No. This no, is in addition. addition. This in is addition. 1,100 bears then. Yeah. Right? Uh, there were 1,930 total bear reports received by the department. That's a yeah. 20%. That's yeah. 20% of the total estimated population. Yeah. And that's um, probably not roadkill. No, roadkill is only 149. Dude, that's still that's still another that's still another like what So 1%? If, if you hate bear hound hunting, you still kill the same number of deer with your rig. Oh, yeah. Number of bears with your rig. Number of bears. Yeah, the number yeah. of bears with your rig. And 70, it's the same. And 76 of them were dispatched by results of other uh, conflicts, like problem bears yep. getting into beehives and, like, sure. after this, repeat 
like, hey, get out of here. Offenses, yep. yeah. And wow. then finally, or they were like getting in people's houses or right. the same number of bears that gets hound hunted are killed by cars and incident. Wow, no kidding. Actually more. Incidents are well, 200. It's, it's within more. it's about It's within 6 bears. Of course that's going to that's going to fluctuate numbers. year to year, but the other yeah. thing is the more the more cars on the road. <laughs> oh yeah. But of course at least at least if you uh get one with dogs, you're going to use it most of the time. COVID helped them out for a little while there. The interstate was empty, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, for a couple months. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it goes to show how like I-89 uh, is wildlife's biggest killer, right? That's our biggest, yeah, yep. 95, you know, up the side of Maine, right? Yep. That kills a lot and of wildlife. of course, the more traffic you have, you're going to have more incidents. But also, too, the higher population in the wildlife, you're going to have more mm-hmm. more, right. more counts of interactions with right. vehicles just because there's Proportionally, more. it's going to grow to be the same. You know, right. 5% gets hit and you have 1,000. You know, yeah. it's going to be the same percentage as 2,000 at 5%. It's just going to be more, you know. You know, and a bear is real adaptable. They're super smart. They're, like you said, they're, they're, they live a long time. Yeah. And they can, they're adaptable. Like they can live among the houses and the people and just, you know, eat grass. Yeah. They can get by on grasshoppers. I mean, they don't need anything real big. And yeah. they, they're omnivores. So they'll eat all the vegetation they want. And they'll eat opportunistic, you know, at a chance at a fawn or a deer or something. They're definitely going to take it and go with yeah. it. And then you mix in, you know, human values to them and how much, you know, one landowner might value them and the next one doesn't. Mm. And, you know, how they treat them, too. I don't know how many bears I've I've gotten pellets out of. Yeah, out of the back ends. Yeah, people will... Shoot him with we'll a have shot. a bird. We'll have a bird feeder, and the bear will start coming to it. And then he rips it down a couple of times, and then he's on the porch, and now he's got his his paws on the window or the door, and he knows the feeds inside the garage. He can tell, right? He Smell knows it. his nose knows, right? Yep. And he walks up to it, and now he's gonna come into my house, right? And. So I scare him off, and, and I can't scare him off, and I fire a shotgun right next to him, and it didn't even scare him off. Well, I'll fix him, and they shoot him with, like, number six bird shot. Right, nothing. And, yeah, and all it does is penetrate him some, and now he's running around. And this is somebody who doesn't even hunt, right, or something. I Just, like, some of the older bears, they've just, people are mean to him, right? And, of course, he's big. He's a bear. He's huge. He makes his living being big. Media and all the movies say bears are scary. Right. And so he just, he's big. He's, he does what he, he takes, he's like water. He takes the easiest course. Yep. Here's, you know, tons of nice oily bird seed that's so good and I love it. And I'll just sit right here and eat it. And he gets used to it. And after a while, that incidental feeding or the farm feeding, and next thing you know, he's a problem. Yeah. And, then, of course, a bear doesn't read your rules. He doesn't know the deal. And even if you shot him with a rubber bullet he and he doesn't come to your place anymore, you know, bears are good at risk assessment. They know what is risky. And they are good at measuring whether it's worth the risk or not, right? If you break into a beehive, you're going to get stung, right? So he's tearing the beehive apart. And the bees are just hammering him, right? And he's shaking his head. But it's worth it right? It's honey. Look at this giant tray. And he'll grab that giant tray, run away and eat that tray and then come back for the rest of it and put up with an electric fence, put up with thousands of bee stings, right? Just for that honey, right? So they're good at risk assessment. And the, the Casella dump truck driver, right? He, he's at the, uh, 
the airport in Middlesex. And he's like, I back up to that stinking dumpster and that bear just wouldn't get away. And I get out of the truck and he won't run. And now I'm scared. I get back in the truck, right? And I bang into the dumpster with the with the truck trying to scare him off, you know. He says, I've been there and the dumpster's been pushed all the way across the parking lot and it's tipped over on the edge of the woods. Like the bear says, I'm bringing this to the woods, right? Yep, and take out. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It goes to show, you know, and they get used to that yep. and, and they don't know those rules. They're intelligent too. So we've got to be more bear friendly. We've got to be good bear neighbors, right. you know, and not and not put stuff out for them. The grill, keep the grill, keep the food picked up. Most of the time, the nuisance stuff is because they were feeding, and a fed bear is a dead bear. I have something you guys are going to find really interesting. As a guess, how old do you think was the oldest black bear ever recorded? 35. I was going to say 35 or 7. How about 39 and a half? Jeez. Yeah. Minnesota? Sow. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. She had, they estimate between... 21 to 22 cubs that survived to be over a year and a half old. Isn't that incredible? Wow. That's really something. Yep. Uh, the second oldest bear ever recorded was a brown bear. Yep. And she beat that number by three years. That's crazy. You know, black bears are, are really unique. They're special. Um, and they they require some nuances in hunting, right? You mm-hmm. develop their habits. You figure out where they're feeding um, most of the time they're not super hard to get. Um, they may be spread out on the land and they may be spread out like not evenly. Also too, with bears, there's a hierarchy. Like if, if you're feeding a big male and he comes in all the time, he will stay there and guard that spot from other bears so that all the other bears know the big guy's there. As soon as the big guy's gone, the next biggest bear moves in. Yep. Right. You know, they're, they're good that way and they know each other. Well, bears are unique in their breeding and how they operate. Of course they breed in the midsummer, you know, July and June, July. And when they're, the males are following around the females. And of course the females have to separate from their cubs. This leaves the cubs vulnerable. Right. Especially because the male will be like, not mine. Right. And of course she may not want anything to do with him, but yep. he's following around and right. they're a lot like lions probably. And oh, if they yeah. get a chance mm-hmm. you know, to bring her back into heat, that's what they would want to do. Um, but they're, they're pretty much storing and coming, becoming pregnant when they go into hibernation. If they're in good shape, they'll, they'll have them. If they're, if a sow goes into hibernation and she's not in good shape, she won't become pregnant, which is kind of a neat survival kind of thing. Um, bears are really unique and we know a lot about them. We've kind of got most yeah. of their, their science and, yeah. and their fish and wildlife department's got a lot of literature on them. Oh, that's a big storehouse of information, data yeah, reports, great. history yeah. trends, and you know, just, just interesting by bi- biological facts. If you uh, pick yourself up a license and you go out and you do get one, um, gutting them out is really something different it's weird yeah they're when you when you skin them they're weird they look bad yeah and also (laughs) too like so i i started the breastbone and i i just barely cut a little tiny bit so that i can get in and get to the diaphragm and everything up front first bear's blood is like really dark 
really red, dark red. And of course, they're fatty and oily. Mm, and the hard fat hang is on around their stomach some and yeah. inside their guts quite a bit, especially if you get a later bear. Yeah, a lot of visceral fat. Yeah. And of course, it makes it hard to tell what's what when it's all covered with blood. It's this big, slimy, it's quite an experience to, <laughs> to, to gotta bear out. But it's real important that you do it right. and that you cool it off as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, the fat and the hair between the two of them really insulate a bear well and getting a, you know, a bag of ice inside of them and cooling yeah. them off. Of course, we normally shoot them in the warmer weather. So like they can't really hang for any length of time and you're, you're better off to just take care of them right away. Keep yeah. them as dry and clean as possible. Uh, when you do gut them out, say you're going to make a rug, make sure and center your cut very evenly down the middle of the bear you know lamb centered on his back and so that you'll you'll when you make that center cut and you flatten it out into a rug it won't be off center right you know what i mean the stomach mm -hmm. line will be in the middle and when you open it up and flatten it out it'll right. be even right um that's a that's a key to it also too don't make a lot of stop start cuts you know one smooth nice big sharp yep. straight cut and just take your time make sure it comes out good yeah a lot of what we talked about in our last podcast about um when you finally get a big buck down what to do after mm -hmm. that you know when the hunt is over the process for taking care of the meat taking care of the hide making sure that it comes out as good as possible that all applies to bear as well oh, same definitely. kind of procedure you want to yep. make sure that you keep them as clean as possible you know and bear they don't come with the convenient handles that grow out of the top of the head you know so this we recommend like sleds and stuff like that because there isn't snow yep. you're dragging through leaves and dirt and all this sort of stuff and like you said it's warm september or october yep. you know you want to you want to get them out as clean as possible and get them cooled down and process them like today don't mess around oh yeah yeah and the sooner the better and of course they're an omnivore right so trigonosis right so Ooh, you yeah. want to make sure and cook them you know they, they you want to cook the meat fairly well you yeah. know you want to get it right up to yeah to and they're they're predators so the amount of bacteria they're also they're like a coyote you know if you just lay them down the right. back of the truck they're they're just they're gonna have some bacteria they're gonna go bad and spoil because their fur is built for this built for keeping them warm and it also holds the blood oh yeah they, and sometimes they don't leave blood trails for squat you yeah. know so finding a bear after you shoot it and, and whatnot can be a real challenge mm -hmm. tracking it down um also too as you you take the time to skin it um the the fat and the body and the and the hide you know those those three there's a with the fat there's so much room for error as you're skinning and you can be going down through and everything's going great and then cut into the meat or going down through and cut into the hide it's pretty easy to do that and of course mostly because they're a mammal and they have solid hair they're not like a deer their hairs are solid hair they have the it's, nicest hide more like fur than it is an actual yes. hollow shaft of hair right like right. A, like like our our deer family the the prime hides are definitely the closer to hibernation you know the closer they are to hibernation the nicer and the primer the hide is yeah. the males will be the last ones to really fill in the downy they'll have guard hairs and a lot of like exposed skin so they they don't generally make the nicest mounts and stuff those big males because us old men don't have nice looking skin just, <laughs> that's the way it works not until and, later in the and season ashy. you yeah. know <laughs> you know the full the nice full sow will have beautiful hides yep. way earlier so some of the if you're literally looking to get one bear and get it mounted this the 
the younger sow. the younger males and the younger bears in general and the sows will have the nicest hides towards the, the end of the season thickest. yes and yep. but they'll have a nicer one earlier than the males do right you know where a male may be the, the end of the season before he really starts coming into it and then in the spring and like i say you go to canada and you spring bear hunt or something like that they'll have super long with extra downy and and if anything you want to get them nice and early so that it's not shedding you know that springtime is when a lot of that super four inch long hair that hasn't done anything all winter because it just slapped yeah. right it didn't even do anything all winter long <laughs> um Bears hibernation spots are really weird. They 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 hibernate they in pick, all kinds. They of pick different some places. like you know because that one that you had digging a stump out in the middle of a clear cut, gonna just sleep under a stump. Yeah, great big old like sixteen inch maple stump, and the, the skitter rolled it up onto its side just barely. You know, it, it uprooted a little, and then he dug in underneath it, and the hole wasn't probably what sixteen eighteen inches across. Not really, but it was a big bear. He's working and, on it. Yeah, and he had a mound of dirt there, pretty as big as his table. Yeah, where he excavated underneath the stump, and he was planning on sleeping in there. And then I, I just all of a sudden I'm, I'm walking along, and there's a brand new bear track coming from where I was just stepped like six steps ago. And I'm like, where did that come from? Well, there was a hole there, and he somehow had heard me and come out of the hole and ran off, and I didn't even see him run off. Right, and yeah. a clerica, I didn't see a bear run off, and I scared him. Yeah. You know, it's pretty interesting. New Hampshire. Yeah. We see good old New Hampshire. I, They've got the majority of the bears I see are in New Hampshire uh in uh end of November, beginning of December. Yeah. That Connecticut last River little Valley. bit, right? Yep. When they're just filling up and they're just getting ready to lay down, you know, out in the beach cuts and stuff, you see them out there a lot and they don't mess around. They they normally see me way before I see them. And, bears you know, are good. You turn, you see this like streak of fire going through the woods because <laughs> they they don't mess around. Yeah, they yeah. head out of town and they can run pretty fast. Oh I yeah, say thirty five miles. They can an hour. motivate. Yeah, they can really motivate. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. 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 The average uh, sow has between has about two cubs on average, but they can have up to six in a litter. That's some. Are they called litters? I believe they're called litters. Hmm. Six at once. Yep, six babies. And yeah. uh, gestation is about 225 days. So oh, yeah. Right uh, in the ballpark of uh, a deer. Yeah, yeah, a little over seven months. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, the babies will stay with mom uh, until they're about a year and a half old. Isn't that amazing? And then she'll kick them off when she comes into when yep. she's Time to head when out. she's pregnant, she'll get rid of them. Yeah. She'll push them off. That way they're not competing with a new, with a new round of cubs. Right. And a, and a lot of those uh, are usually around 70 pounds. Yeah. Yep. You know, when it's it's just about kickoff time. Or, yep. You know, they, <laughs> they, they've been around and they're coming around to hunting yep. season. And they're, they're, they're not a little cub. They're a bigger cub coming into their first hunting season. And they meet a hunter. I think I've had four, reported three or four already this year. And yep. they were 70 to, I think we had one that was 92 or 91, 89 pounds. Mm-hmm. And we then, had two come in at the same time. Yeah. And that was like a week or two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Right. And that was, you know, yeah. end of September, beginning of October. Yeah. So that's, you know, that goes to show that's about what here's, they at Here's that the time. thing. They that, would pick up another 10 pounds probably. In oh, fact, oh, yeah. Easily. easily. Yeah. Here's the thing that we kind of have to, um, as a state and as hunters and as a, as a society, we have, to, we have to take a closer look at what we're doing and then what's the plan you know, because the, one of the biggest problems with management on any given species, not necessarily just bears or deers or whatever, is 
where are we going with this? Mm-hmm. And how is, how is our ability to manage and make sure we maintain healthy, healthy animals of, you know, healthy numbers and make sure that the individual inside the whole, it's one thing to have, you know, a lot of deer, but if there's a lot of deer and it's not good for the deer, we shouldn't have a lot of deer. Mm-hmm. And what, what is management going to look like with a new society that's coming up? Because it's no, it's no secret that the de- there's a decrease in numbers of hunters, especially in new England, mm-hmm. there is a decrease. Um, yeah. You know, the average, the average age is 50. And, you know, when, when your average age is getting older and older and older and older, that, that tells you that there's not a lot of new hunters getting in. And the last thing that any animal like a bear needs is to not be considered anymore. That's, that's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Especially when, you know, the amount of bears on the land is going to de- uh, increase dramatically. Because, you know, say, say something on the management ends of things like uh, hound hunting or baiting. There, there had to have been an instant impact when baiting was no longer allowed in the state of Vermont for uh, bear. Oh, definitely. Right, because the, there is a compounding effect. When you pull one sow off the land, that means that next year there's not going to be three bears. Right, because she will have two cubs. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not going to get that. And when you have, when you pull a management tool, say hypothetically, that has 17, that's responsible for 17% of the harvest. That means that that year that you don't do that anymore, there's going to be a 17% decrease in the amount of bears taken, which means a 17%, you know, of that increase, right, it could, right. So that now the, also the compounding effect of all of those bears over time, because every year henceforth is going to be 17% less than what you used to take. And that's more bears on the land, more bears having cubs, proportionally more car accidents with more bears because the population is increasing. Sure. More More, instances with people and nuisances. Right. Which if, if bears become more and more kind of an inconvenience to people, that devalues the bear in the eyes of society, mm-hmm. which means more bears actually are going to get shot in the end. Right. We're actually going to lose more bears if you don't maintain healthy populations and you don't have anyone caring about them. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing because the majority of people, you know, they live their lives separate from the bear. Yep. They, they, you know, they might live in like a, you know, our bigger areas like White River Junction, Montpelier, Rutland, all these, you know, and they're living in the city and they're not in relationship. They don't have any kind of connection with the bear directly. Right. And now, you know, there's no one that's thinking about them. There's no one looking after cubs and what the, what the woods are like. And is the woods maintaining a healthy deer population? All that. If you don't have that in the end, we are all going to suffer for that. Oh yeah. Right. Because now there isn't, the land isn't supporting beautiful creatures and beautiful things. And, you know, Nature's a cobweb, right? It you is. start yanking on a cobweb, you have no idea where it's going to break. Right. And it you might, have no idea what the consequences of, of what, how things will collapse right. by just pulling on one thread. Everything right? needs to be gradual, too. Just putting the brakes on something is no way to measure how things are going because you can't come back from that. If you slam on the brakes, you can't really bounce back the same way. Well, you have to look at a support system, right? A bears have a support system right now. Granted, it might not be perfect, but it is a support system Absolutely. and it does hold it up. Now, if you want to suddenly tear all the table legs out from under the bear, he's going to fall. Yep. Right? Now, if you take out one, you might be able to get by, 
if things don't move, mm-hmm. right? If he stands on the table and doesn't move, you know, you say, okay, hound hunting, goodbye. And you yank out at one corner of the table. Right. And then other things happen where you didn't plan on yanking it out, right? <laughs> right. I didn't plan on pulling this right. out, but now we have no funds because everybody stopped. Now we have no science, and now if things go bad, we won't notice. And if yep. he steps on that bad corner, we're done. And all the people who wanted to see bears will be like, where did all the bears go? And it's like, well. We could lay that at the feet of someone. Right. Right. It's, it, the, the, it is dangerous. It's dangerous to do any of these kinds of changes. It is. You know, increasing in the number rapid of. manner. Right. In, the, in increasing Without. the number we take, decreasing the number we take, changing how we manage our woods, all of that instantly affect. Like, look what composting has done. Instant, instant effect on relationship with bears. Instant. Yep. I would love to see data on composting mm-hmm. and how many bears have been, have been either removed or have had conflicts with people just by composting. Because like we talked about, that was not, you know, some people saw that coming, but that that apparently didn't matter to yeah. the overall decision. It didn't matter in the legislature when, when the commissioner was down there arguing right. for the bears, trying to help them, Be- and, and they just shot him down. Because they're like, eh, it'll be all right. And it's like, uh, no, we have to look farther down the road because nature is important and our relationship to it is important. And if we're not, if we're not, you know, picking our chin up and you know we're driving looking down the hood and not looking down the road right now and that's why we're jerking all over the place and we're having all these issues and everybody inside the car is trying to drive from the back seat you have people that are complaining from the passenger seat and the person with the hand on the wheels getting stressed and getting pressured and everyone just wants to pull over and have it out yeah, and you you can't run a support system for something that everybody actually loves right 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 and everybody cares about you know, the, the anti believes that, you know, management is wrong and it should be banned. And their argument is largely emotional. And it's like based on assumption that wildlife or somehow like humans uh, will like balance itself out regardless of the meddlings of man. Right. You know, those are <laughs> that that's impossible like that. Yeah, that's, that's impossible. Just absolutely not happen. And if forces like they're working with political clout to force something. Yeah. And that's generally not good in a natural setting, right? Nature is not about force and control. It's the opposite. It's the opposite of that. It's about not forcing. It's about minding your own business and doing the best and being the best you can be. Right. Right. Whether you're a flower or a bear or an oak, right? That is your job to just be the best you you can be and be part of the system. Right. right now, if if we're in fragile times right now, environmentally, if that's actually the case, uh, wouldn't our unity really matter? It would matter the most because while we're warring, we're not paying unified. Attention. You're not we're paying not attention unified. either. Yeah. You're not getting anything done. No, you you can't even begin to be open enough to understand the consequences of what's going on and the consequences of your actions. Right, and whether you're the king of the land or king of the bears that matters right mm-hmm. will you be a kind king or not right yep. and there's like a, a land ethic that we're going through right now mm-hmm. and we've always gone through and yes we're the, carrying our the, some of our the old headbutt stuff. from landowner rights to uh title 10 right you know yep. there's there's some of that there's title 10 which we can all agree with 
is important. Fish and wildlife law is another one of those big legs under the tables of bears, right? It is a support system of science and knowledge and information, which we should be using logic. You think Let's so? Lose, right. Nature, nature is about what works, a working method. If you're going to destroy the support system for something like bears, well, what's, what's your, what are you going to replace it with? You got any ideas? Right. Right. I, I'm hearing let's destroy our bear support system because we don't like it. Right. Because it might be outdated or and antiquated not, in any way. Right. It might not work 100% to what we want, but at least it's doing something. It's, it's, a pride, it's, it's providing some support of some kind. Right. Even though culturally it might not be like emotionally acceptable, but for the most part, it is keeping it working. And Title 10 is the excuse to continue doing our job. Right. Whether you're a fish and wildlife department, a citizen, a hunter, a landowner, right? All of those things, they're all sitting at the table. Right. And nature is not a finite game of winners and losers. We've always kind of thought that, right? Strongest survive. And if you can't, you're done. You're out of here. Right. Well, in a way, yes. But it's also an infinite game. Let's continue to play. If the department plays an infinite game and title 10 plays an infinite game. Let's keep this for generations. Let's maintain what we've got going on. Right. And maintain an abundance and a health that is good for all. That is your excuse as a department to play an infinite game. The sportsman can't play a finite game. The anti can't play a finite game. They'll lose because infinite players win. Right. The point is to continue playing. Yep. And you can't just destroy a support system with no other means to replace it. Right. You can't tear a table leg out from the bear and not have something, another leg to put in there. Right. And if you don't have one to put in there, then you don't have any. You shouldn't start removing stuff until you got something to swap it with. Right. And if you don't have any kind of thing, well, what's your plan? You don't go at life saying we're going to do this and there's no plan for the consequences. Right. Like you can't do that. It's foolish to do that. And if you think you're qualified to run the show by just destroying what's going on, you're not qualified and not caring about the consequences of it. You're not qualified. Yep. I found, um, something you, I think it will answer your question, Tara, about the, um, the composting thing. Yep. Um, in 2020, there was a, a, a number of 1930 black bear reports of nuisances. And they believe that it's because more people were home because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but mm-hmm. also because, um, inexperienced people attempting to compost waste in their backyards. Yeah. Yep. We see that there is no backing of education on the program. They just said, you guys have to do this from now on and left, left regular people to their own devices. And that was a result. Did, was there a number? Uh, is there a, like, did they say whether that was a X percentage increase? Like what was the number beforehand of nuisance interactions or whatever? It, it was a, in 2019, the total reports was only 763. <laughs> so that is an increase <laughs> of, a, you, that dude. is an increase of almost 1200 reports <laughs> simply from dude, what it's I almost am finding, triple. It's 200 shy of being triple. Yep. Seriously. Because it of tripled. Come on, yep. man. Yep. That coupled with more people being home. Yep. And That's made for conflicts. Yep. It, yes. 
And um, also, too, the bear incident mortality rate increased by 88 bears from last 88 year. 88 bears. Half. Half of what traffic does in a year. Was because of um, people, like, for example, people being home. Yep. They were getting into your dumpsters. They're getting in your compost. Right. And right. then imagine how the game wardens are inundated. 1,900 calls. Yeah. 1,900. That's said it seven was eight, a day it was, almost. It was, it was 88 bears death. More than last year. More than 2019. And the total more. number? The total for 2020 was 225 bears were uh, more, was uh, the incidents resulted in the bears mortality. Okay. So all of you senators seven. that like passed that bill, let's, let's we, compost. We, we need to pile up 220 right. bears, a huge pile of 220 bears the, at their feet. That's how that works. Right. See what I mean? See, that's this is this is the very point. Like and this is a reason you need science and math. Right. Because it points to what could happen. Yep. Right. And what's likely to happen. Well, it's a, it's just this narrow. It's a it's a result of a narrow field of view on a subject. Yes. Looking at your looking at what it is and not looking at what is around it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like ignoring the background. The foreground and the background of a photo are the same image. And there is going to, like, you can throw a rock in the water and just be worried about throwing or skipping the rock, but there's going to be ripples. You have to take that into account. You cannot, you cannot separate man's actions from nature in any legislation, in anything we do in the state of Vermont, any road we build, in any, it is going to have an impact and it has to be considered. And fish and wildlife's take and their job is super important. It is. This is. Can you? I do. I knew it, dude. I knew the number was going to be massive. I yeah. knew it, like that is yep. ridiculous. Three hundred bears, three hundred bears, just because of being bad neighbors to bears. It is our fault. Three hundred. Oh, for sure. It's, it's which is a third, a third of what we killed. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's thirty three percent more. That's, that's because ridiculous. of driving, because of negligence on our end, but not well, taking the proper steps. Because a bear is not going to understand. I probably I can't go into this dumpster. Right. Yeah. It's it, the, they're not going to traffic. Get, they're not going to know that. You, it's hard to do the incidents on traffic and stuff. That that's going to be really unless you're going. You can't put up walls around roads and keep not every single road with bridges and tunnels that. for them to cross. But by the same token, that number, that eighty-eight, those eighty-eight bears, that. Should not be the case. Yeah, that eighty-eight uh, bear increase was bears, because. Are you serious? Yeah, hundred bears just because of this composting thing. A hundred, one every three days. Every yeah. three point six days, a bear has to die because no one wanted to take the time to compost to correctly. consider the animals that might be impacted. Who right. knows what the soil, the runoff, the fish? Who knows? There's no studies that are being done about all kinds of things. And I know there was big arguments made for this while they were doing it and it was ignored okay now i know not everybody's super competent right and i i've been watching the fish and wildlife committee at the legislature on tv you know watching the like c-span kind of thing yeah. you know they, they are putting it on youtube now so you you can watch that a little bit and the fish and wildlife committee really has no training on any of these things yet they're 
actually in charge of making sure the department does its job, making sure the board does its See, job. The, they're that, in charge of all that and like their competency. They didn't even know that Fish and Wildlife puts out a Fish and Wildlife law book every year so that people can find out what the law is. So that, they didn't even know that and they're legislators. I was like, what is that? That's like having an architect. I can believe it. That's like having an architect in California design a house for Alaska. <laughs> yep. They're putting dog dormers a foot apart and then wondering why the roof leaks in the winter. <laughs> or they're saying, Literally. put these shrubs because it looks pretty. It's like, well, those shrubs are going to die because they're not... Or they're not going to survive. Or they're invasive. Oh, right. We'll use this for erosion control. Hello, knotweed. How you doing? Now yeah. you can't get rid of it. We, or we, we as hunters are the spokesmen for the wildlife. It is our job. It is our responsibility, right? We are responsible to these animals. We have to at least give our opinion. We do. We do. We have to weigh in on these That's things. Right. And we also need to educate ourselves because apparently no one's going to be providing us the 100% of what's out there. You know, it's our job. You know, well, we're, we're deer hunters foremost. It's also you know, our job, but, but it's also, we don't have an excuse not to know because you have a cell phone in your pocket right. with access to the world's right. information. Yep. You simply want to know something or you're, you want to clarify on something, do, do a little research. But the other trouble is they don't want to take the time to check five, six, seven websites to make sure that they have a non-biased source that's just information. Right. And it's a lot of work, but it it's is. also our due diligence and our duty to make sure we take at least our part in right. the process to building a better, because a better it, like you never, I've never seen such a world of experts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone's an expert on everything. Everyone apparently is yeah. like an expert and no one's like looking at the stuff you don't know. Like they're identifying with only what they feel and what they know and not right. what they don't. Well, and the consequences of that. Right. And the, they're not willing. The thing that will change something. all of this is hunters being more active in what fish and wildlife is doing. Right. Being more active in what the legislature is doing. Right, educating ourselves and saying, "Hey, we're the ones actually out there. This is what we're seeing. This is what's going on. This is what we think," and making sure that the people that we put in that are in charge of making laws, doing the science, taking into account, writing the rule book to make sure that they're doing their job. Mm -hmm. Right, like all of the pressure can't be on fish and wildlife. It can't all be on the hunter. It can't all be on the non-hunter. That's not fair. No. You know, we all have a role. We all have a job to do. Right. We do. It's, it's to make sure all... that we're doing what we need to and to make sure that, you know, we hold our people that we put in that have a specific job accountable. That's and just, that's gotta, the way it has to be. And you got to hold yourself accountable. Absolutely. If you're having a problem with a bear coming in to you and eat, chewing on and knocking down your bird feeder. Whose fault is it? Eating your compost. Well, probably you should stop hanging up bird feeders until you don't see the bear anymore or until the bear he stops coming He goes to bed around. in the winter. Right. Wait for him to go to bed. Right. right. Feed, feed birds in the winter. <laughs> as far as the composting goes, there's plenty of sources to be able to find the right ways to do this appropriately to minimize issues with wildlife yep. and with your neighbors. I, I'm amazed at the variance in the values. You know, the variance in the values is the big thing, you know, from person to person. In right. general, I think pretty much everyone's like, oh, a bear. Oh yeah, they're oh, yeah, awesome. Absolutely, yeah. they're beautiful. Yeah. And I think the the oh freaking bear, you know, like there's less of that. There's far less of that. There's more of that in the coyote realm. 
Yes, the coyote yeah. round. Coyotes, coyotes also need, no need a magnifying glass yeah. as well. Now, see, when all the sides have biases, there's lots of biases. And even the scientist, right? He mm-hmm. has the bias. The, the logic and the science actually can underpin and answer our questions for us if we stick with that, right? Right. The numbers aren't going to lie. Right. Now, the emotional and the social parts of whether or not you should be able to do what you want to do and and at the expense of what and who is an individual thing, right? Whether you're a landowner or a legislator or a department personnel or a management tool of the department, right? The hunter, Mm. whether you're any of those people, your own adjustments will have to be somewhat open, right? And you have to be willing to be flexible in your opinions about things and maybe have a little less opinions and it would help. I mean, it's everyone's opinions that are making kind of a mess sometimes. And if you can kind of back them off a little bit and support what works. Yeah. Right. I'm in strong support of things that work. The numbers, the math, <laughs> the science, the research. This, when you do this, this happens. Okay. Well, if that's what we want to happen, we can work with that. I can work with that. Right. If we don't want to happen. We know what to do based on what we've done to show what happens. I mean, get behind something good. An anti shouldn't be in charge of anything. You shouldn't. Right. Because you're not for it. Be pro something else. Be pro something, right? I want people who are pro things well, it's on like my life. Mother Teresa. <laughs> on my team. If Mother- I'm going to say the world, you want to have people who are pro. Right. Right? <laughs> Mother Teresa didn't go to an anti-war rally. Exactly. She went to a pro-peace rally. Yes, right? So, like, we've got to adopt that attitude, not only towards wild things, but towards each other. Mm-hmm. Ain't no question. And it'll be a lot easier and we'll do a lot better job if we're all on the same team. We eventually will need each other because big business will be the one that finishes off natural things, mm-hmm. right? Business. Money. <laughs> that nameless, faceless pipeline that wants to come through and tell the reindeer farmer in Norway, you're all done. Slaughter your animals. We're putting in a pipeline. We don't care about your reindeer, right? How's he going to combat that, right? He can't. And we're going to need to be united when big business comes to we're destroy the Maine's world. facing something like that with CMP and their corridor right now. No, oh, Jesus. There's a can of worms. Oh, Jesus. We're not getting into that. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Breaks, yeah. breaks, breaks. Hard left turn. But Signal. That's a lot like the pipeline. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a big business scenario coming mm-hmm. in and just trying to mm-hmm. muscle its way through. And yep. you, got, you have to stand up for yep. nature yep. and... We have to be stewards of nature. Let's just be interested, not special interested. <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. There's a mouthful. You know, and, and when good people do nothing, yeah. you know, and your word is your power and you should bear witness. Speak I think up. that's kind of our job, you know, as a human being, piece of the human race is mm-hmm. to bear witness. And when you see something that should be corrected, you should bear witness to that. And maybe we'll all make some good positive changes and we'll actually work better for ourselves. <laughs> yep. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know it was a bit of a deviation from the old big buck hunting, but it was it's something that's been on our mind a lot. I imagine it's going to come back up in a future podcast, especially as uh, things develop this fall, finding out what the department's got going on, seeing what the people are doing. And once we have some numbers on you know what bears how the harvest went and all that. It'll be, it'll be interesting to, to see all of that. 
but hope you guys enjoyed this podcast if you have any uh, suggestions for other topics things you want us to uh, cover questions comments uh, you know we'd love to hear your take on this love to hear your thoughts on these kinds of uh, discussions uh, you can send your questions over to askmtndeer at gmail.com that's our podcast email just for you guys and you can always connect with us on the socials you know our facebook youtube instagram did you like that? The socials? I did that for you. Oh, thanks. The, extra little the Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that, that cranky old man platform. Seriously. Where you they can go and bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much for listening from all of us here at Mountain Deer. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Deer season's coming. We're going to be in the woods in just a hot minute. Looking forward this to it. This has been mostly our opinions and not the opinions of Mountain Deer. <laughs> this hasn't been, yes, this is not the collective opinion this is just the three of us mostly. right you know. it's just our thoughts and yeah. we hope we hope that it gets you to thinking and yep. and you, you you come up with some yeah ideas we're, we're not biologists in any way we're not professionals we have no idea what we're, we're not professional <laughs> well we're not professionals on this subject but we do we see what we see and we know only what we know you know and yep. um you have to bear witness we'll, we'll see we'll see how this develops all right guys we'll see you later thanks for tuning in take care have fun happy hunting